My guest today, Dr. Sarah Weif-Hecking, is a speaker, a coach, and a clinical psychologist with over 20 years experience helping people create and achieve their goals. She has developed unique systems to help her clients get a grip on their time and step up to the next level in their life and business. She is also a good friend of mine and a fellow horse lover. Her programs are actually part of my six-month mastermind and mentorship program that I do for professional equestrians. Um, I start those every March. And she also has a couple videos already in my Dressage Naturally video classroom. So in this episode of the podcast, we'll be talking to her about how to have time for doing the things that we love to do, which of course in this context is horses. How do we get time for horses? Um, so I think you're going to love meeting uh, Dr. Sarah and the conversations that we have. And of course, I hope it gives you more time to spend on your horses and your horse education. So here we go. Episode 58, Time for Your Horses with Dr. Sarah. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. All right. Welcome, Sarah, to my podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, always, always fun to talk to you for many reasons. So I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, I think before we dive into the, you know, nitty gritty details of how to create more time for our horses, uh, can you just share a little bit about um, your love for horses, your background with them and, and what I know you're doing now with horses? Sure. So I was that little girl that fell in love with horses and then begged my parents to uh, take me to any pony ride possible. Uh, they were not horse people. Um, and so I just, you know, fell um, head over heels in love with a pony that I met when we were on vacation and um, had the good fortune then of being able to ride um, when we were visiting my grandparents and um, eventually ended up uh, working at a horseback riding camp in the summer and I ran the barn there um, for a few years and all along the way was really, um, you know, keeping my, my butt in the saddle as much as I could. Um, uh, you know, part-time leasing horses, um, you know, mowing lawns and babysitting to go to horseback camp, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so, um, and then, you know, once I went to college, um, that's when I worked as a, a camp counselor at a horseback riding camp and ran the barn. Um, and, you know, from there, I just knew that one of the things I love to do more than anything in the world is be around horses. So um, I have always made some space to ride. Um, and I rode um, regularly until um, I had my son uh, more than 19 years ago. That's crazy pants. Um, 
And I, I actually rode while I was pregnant with him. And my, uh, my doctor at the time was like, you must really love this sport if you're still riding and you're pregnant. And I was like, yeah, why wouldn't you? Um, but at some point I needed to stop during pregnancy. And uh, it got really clear to me that I needed to take a break. Um, and uh, as my son has moved on, moved into his next amazing phase in college. Um, and with actually some of the opportunities of the pandemic, I have been able to work horseback riding back into my life. And now I'm back riding twice a week uh, at a local barn with an amazing instructor. Um, you know, the whole world of sort of natural horsemanship and what you do, uh, Karen, dressage naturally, all of those things has sort of uh shown up for me in the last 20 years. So it's really fun to be able to just to be out there and playing with those concepts. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a psychologist, uh, by training, I'm a behavior change geek at heart. So, um, I just love connecting with animals and it was really my first love. So. Yeah. And it's so interesting because we met in not a horsey context. It was sort of like, as I got to know you, I'm like, really, you're a horse person too, but really, (laughs) so that was, really fun. And now you're working with somebody who's been in my community and yeah, it's just really, there is no way you were not going to do dressage natural horsemanship kind of stuff. <laughs> I think that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just have always been drawn to the concepts that you teach, even, you know, as I said, as I got to know this woman who had this horse business and this entrepreneurial thing that I was doing and, oh, her name was Karen Rolfe. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, you spent a lot of time helping people in my community. As I, I mentioned in the introduction, you know, I do a mastermind for professional uh, equestrians and professionals in the horse business and uh, Sarah's programs. I, you know, one of Sarah's foundational programs, I folded into that mastermind uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, One, because it's really good and you're really good at what you do, but also because I know you know, you're a horse person, so you kind of get the passion and you get the challenges. And now after working with so many people in my community, you, you get it on even a whole other layer because you've been able to talk to so many crazy, passionate horse people and the kinds of things that get in the way of, of them spending the kind of time that they want with horses. So that's why you're here. (laughs) Thank you for joining you are so, welcome. I yeah. know I love talking about this stuff. So yeah. happy to support you. So one of the things that I talk about a lot uh, with my students is what I call my sacred horse time. And this is my non-negotiable time that I have with horses. And I have it at a part of the day that works best for me. And it's really hard to budge me on this or to get me to compromise as much as sometimes Dana, my husband tries, he's like, can't we just do this? Nope. (laughs) Talk to me at noon. And (laughs) so I consider myself really fortunate that I have um, been able to set up my life around this, but it's actually not just luck. It is absolutely by conscious design. And I know that your work, you know, so much of the core of your work is around setting meaningful goals and building your, your life and schedule around that. And so when I heard you talking about this, I'm like, that's what I did for my sacred horse time. I can't always do it in other areas of my life, (laughs) but that I can do. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about 
this idea of having meaningful goals and how these concepts can help people create their own, you know, sacred horse time or sacred whatever it is. Of course, we're going to talk about horses, but all of these can be applied to any area of your life. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I love the concept, Karen, of sacred horse time and just sacred time in general, because I think one of the things we forget is that time is a non-renewable resource. And we keep thinking that, oh, I'll do that later, I'll do that later, or I don't have time. And then, and I hear this from so many people in your community, um, but the thing that's most important to them is their horse time, and it keeps not getting in there. So, um, it, you know, in terms of meaningful goals, I talk when I, you know, when I teach people about managing their time and their tasks in a way that works for them, about how to get a grip on their time and really focus on the meaningful and important things, we start with this concept of your meaningful goals are your goals that help you achieve the whole life that you want. Um, oftentimes when we start to talk about goals, people get really clear about work goals, but we forget to think about the whole life. And when you're in a profession where your passion is also, um, you, you know, you're doing work in your area of passion, sometimes it's hard to separate those things out because you may spend a lot of time with horses. That doesn't mean that you're doing the development you want to do with your own skills or with your own animals. And we know that it's not a one and done, right? We're not talking about getting in a, in a Jeep and driving it off the property. And, um, you know, you don't have to put any practice into that or training into that. Um, so there's this, this concept of, first of all, what do you want from your whole life? And if one of the things you really, really want from your whole life is to develop this re relationship with an amazing animal, then, you know, you got to dedicate some time for that. And you got, got to get really clear about when it's going to happen and put a stake in the ground. Um, just like, you know, I mean, I, th I grew up in a really musical household. My mother's a pianist and she teaches piano. And guess what? Everybody goes home with 30 minutes a day of practice, right? So it's really not any different for this skill and this relationship. You just got to get clear that it's what you want, and put it in, right? And that's what so, um, feels so miraculous for so many people, Karen, about how you've built your life is you got really clear at one point that horses were going to happen. Your horses were going to happen and that you were going to build from there. Um, and you, it's non-negotiable, right? You don't, you don't let anybody take that time. So there's a couple of really important things there. One is what's the goal, right? And if the goal is conscious relationship with an animal that takes time, then when are you putting the time in your day and your week to make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I love the thinking about the whole life because everything we do is part of our whole life. And I'm kind of seeing these two who I'm thinking about now are these two groups, um, the, the sort of amateur horse hobby passion, and then the person who's made horses their career. And in both cases, there's a strong argument for putting time into our horses, right? So with the professionals that I mentor, a lot of times, 
you know, they, they're, they love horses, they're great at horses. And so that becomes a career. And now everybody else's horses become more important and their own horses get on the back burner. But their relationship with their own horses is what actually is fueling the business. So even from just a strategic point, we need to make time. And then for the non-professional, for the just person who's passionate about horses, that's where really the whole life I don't know about anybody else out there with horses, but like if you're passionate about horses and you don't have horses in your day, like I feel that so deep in my, my being. And, you know, for so many people, it's like medicine going to their horses. So I'm trying to, you know, it makes me so sad when people feel guilty about spending time with their horses or put everything else first and, you know, run out of time and are only exhausted when they're there because it is so much a part of who we are. It's, it's not just some random hobby for most of us. I think listening, it's like, no, it's who we are. Yes. What's more meaningful than who we are. Yes. And I think, so the, the piece I want to grab onto here is you said something, you know, really important a minute ago about it fuels you. And also you said people feel guilty about doing it. Um, and one of the things I work with people on when I work with them more closely is this concept of what fuels you, what gives you energy to do the rest of the things that you need to do, to be the person you want and need to be. And for many of us in the horse community, it's time with those horses, right? Um, and not only other people's horses, but our own horses, and it's really, really important to, you know, distinguish between how do you fuel yourself so that you can run your business? How do you fuel yourself so you can be in your life? And what is, you know, extravagant or additional? And it's easy for people to feel like, well, horses are extravagant. They're, you know, it, it's an it's a extravagant sport. And it may not be that way for you. And I think for most people, it's not, right? Um, but there's so many parallels with, um, you know, other things people tell me about, oh, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't take time to myself. I shouldn't have a full day off. I shouldn't get a good night's sleep. I feel guilty when I'm doing something for myself. Um, so I think it really, the, the sacred horse time, um, whether you're, um, in an equestrian business or you are, um, you know, I, I want to say playing, right? <laughs> but we all <laughs> We're all playing. <laughs> but or whether it's more of a, a pastime, right? Maybe it's more of a hobby for you. Um, the thing that really, really I think is important is to notice that if it fuels you, then it's something you need to do to take care of yourself. Now we're talking about self-care. Um, and per, per the professionals, um, need it like you need it more than anything. And it kills me when I talk to equestrian professionals that at the end of the day, haven't had their time to just be present with themselves and their own horse, because yeah. it's what gives you the energy to do the rest of the stuff. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's where, you know, the ones that I meet are like, I'm burned out, I'm exhausted and, and I love this concept of, of fuel and, and 
that's one of the things that I really connected with, with what you teach is, you know, when you think of, you know, one could just, you don't describe yourself like this, but what you do is about productivity and time management, but it's, it's so um, much more. I love how you talk about the fueling for yourself and to actually think about scheduling, you know, things that, that are restful. In fact, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, Sarah, usually the first thing you say is, have you slept and what did you eat? I'm like, oh yeah, those things, <laughs> you know, and so those feed our body or take care of our body, but what, what's feeding our soul? And for us horse people, it's the horses that are actually feeding our soul and fueling us and making us energized. Yeah. 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 And, and so it becomes critical to figure out how to work that in, in a way that you honor that it is really self-care and, you know, self-care gets a really bad rap, you know, in our society because people start to feel selfish. That selfish word comes in again. And that's why I started calling it fuel for my ultimate self, because that's something, first of all, that I can get excited about and that feels motivating for me. And lots of my clients like to adopt that term because it helps you get clear about what is my ultimate life and what does fuel that. And for many people, yeah, there's some basics. Guess what? We all need to sleep. We all need to eat healthy food. We need to get some physical activity in there. Um, but then there's these customized things that, uh, that you know, we're all wired differently. Um, and your brain and your body is different than my brain and my body. Um, and so you, each one of us needs to get really clear about what is it that energizes us? What is it that plugs back in our soul? Um, what is it that um, allows us to uh, get a break from the constant doing? And mm -hmm. oftentimes that's the most important thing. And that's what I hear from equestrians. That's what their horses do for them. So mm -hmm. if you're not spending that clear time with your horse and giving yourself that space, then you're always going to be, um, run down. You're always yeah. not going to feel like you can, you can, you've got the energy to do what you want to do because it's, it's critical. Yeah. And then the, the trick of, of getting it on, like making it happen. And I know that a lot of times now I've formed a new habit after hanging around you for seven years now, you know, that often on my calendar or in my planner, or whatever I'm using, I would schedule all the important stuff, the appointments, other, my lessons with other people, the stuff I had to do. And then somehow in the empty spaces, I would do, you know, the other stuff, the stuff for me. But it was always kind of in this everything else category. And, you know, can you talk about how, how do you actually take your planner and get some of these things that are fuel for your best self? Like, how do we actually get that on the calendar? Yeah. So you start by putting them in first. Um, and I know that's going to sound like a radical notion to a lot of people. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh my God, I'm supposed to schedule my own stuff first, my self-care first, my fuel for me first. Yes, because guess what? If you don't have fuel, then you can't do all of the other amazing things that you were put on the planet to do. So we have to first energize your body and your soul. And if you're a horse person, it's I, I'm willing to bet you need something like Karen's sacred horse time. Um, so, but there's, you know, besides the... 
um, schedule it first notion. There's also this concept that I teach called the flexible template for your week. And you always want to start with when are you working? When are you not working? Right? So, and that's a day job if you have one. And if it's, if your day job is with horses, you want to be clear about when are you working for other people, right? When are you working for yourself in your business? And when are you doing your own horse stuff in your business? Now, working for yourself in your business and doing your own horse stuff in your business may be the same thing, but it may not be. So you have to start to get clear about what are, what's the revenue generating stuff that you're doing for other people. And then where are you really fueling what's going to drive your business with your own horses? And again, that means that you have a win-win there because you get to fuel yourself and fuel your business at the same time. Not everybody gets to do that in the world. Mm -hmm. So um, super important to get really clear about when it fits in and do not let anybody schedule over it or around it. Um, and just practice that. Just practice. And maybe at first you feel like you can only get 15 minutes in. Get 15 minutes in. Feel like you can only get to your own barn from everybody else's barn for a couple of minutes. Then do that. Start by being present with your horses and then build a wedge and start to create some more space. Yeah, um, I, I love that. And that putting it first and that really shifts shifted things for me instead of putting all the responsibilities in first and then or the, you know, quote unquote important stuff and then squeezing myself in to, you know, you really taught me how to schedule, you know, everything, schedule the things that need to be on the calendar at certain times. So maybe I don't have control over it and then schedule the things that I need to fuel myself. And then what's amazing is you know, then I'll have like, uh oh, that only allows like two hours to get all this stuff done that I kind of need to get done for my business. But man, am I efficient? Because I'm like, instead of going, I'm going to work all day and see if I have time left over to do something. You know, now I know I'm going to have a great day, no matter what. And in this little block of time, when I got to get this stuff done, I get really stuff. efficient because yeah. there it is, you know, and it's not this endless, endless thing. So but the, the amazing, like now in, in really busy weeks, I'll actually write down, you know, for the this half hour, take a nap or have a cup of coffee or, you mm -hmm. know, I'll schedule things that I used to never put on my schedule so that I can really make sure that those smaller and smaller important things get in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we're... Um you know, on the treadmill of our day and just doing, 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 and not thinking about how we're planning and sequencing things. And I know I'm talking a bit like a psychologist, but it is what we need to like step back and think about. Um, and what I love what you just said, Karen, is like, yeah, when you decide, here's this thing that I want to do that really takes a bit, a bit of my time and attention, right? A big piece of it, then you start to get really clear, like there's only so many hours in a day. How am I going to make this other thing happen more effectively? How am I going to get it done more easily, more quickly? Is there a way to make it more of a routine? Could somebody else do it? Why am I doing that anyway? You start to ask yourself those questions. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not that it happens overnight that you make all of those changes, but the first change is 
is being committed to certain times in the week that you are going to be doing your own horse time or your passion or whatever it is you're trying to work in, right? So, um, and the same thing on the hobbyist side, you know, I can tell you, I got really more effective when I used to work at a hospital as a clinical psychologist, I got more effective in my day. I wasted less time when I had to get my butt out of the office to go to a riding lesson that night, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) same thing happens. You put a deadline in your day and you're like, wow, I can't spend that extra 45 minutes. I either got to like crank it out in 10 or figure out another time in the week that I'm going to do it where it's going to work better for me. Um, so it helps to have some boundaries on your time that allow you to get really clear about what you want to do, but we always have to come back to what's meaningful and important to you, right? We always have to come back to that as the, um, prioritizing method, right? All the things in your day and your week should be pointing to your long-term meaningful goals. I love that. And, and I know one of the first exercises that you have people do when they work with you, at least in the, in the jumpstart program, um, is to write down everything, all the, you know, how you spend your time. So you kind of are recording, this is what I did. So you're not planning, you're just recording what you did do. And it's so eye opening because you can go through the day going, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And then you look at what you actually did and it's like, wow, that's scrolling on Facebook took more time than I thought, (laughs) and, and you, when you, when you start to put those deadlines in the day, then it makes, like you just said, it makes you look and it makes you see where can you hustle a little bit and get more efficient? Where can you hand it off? And where are you actually, and what do you call them? Time, time wasters, right? Where, where am I actually spending time? That's like nothing time. It's not productive. It's not fun. It's just blank. And I think these days that happens much more than it, it happened to me more than I expected. That was very humbling to see how much time I actually spent doing nothing. nothing it was blank. It was, it was not fueling and it was not productive. Right. Right. And it's really easy to get stuck into, into those habits. Um, and whether it's, you know, spending a few extra minutes on Facebook or, you know, I love that the email ends up being the bookend to everything you do. You're always checking the email, um, you're always checking the Facebook, you're always checking the, I don't know, whatever f- other feeds are, sh- are showing up in your life. Um, and that really can uh, drain a lot of energy that can go somewhere else. Um, and the, the thing I really love about the time tracking exercise is that um, you start to notice where you're getting distracted, the time wasters and the time robbers. And I can tell you just by thinking about it, you know, a few of those things, right? There's probably people that are like, oh yeah, that Facebook thing woo, or Instagram, whatever, you know, whatever your poison Mm -hmm. is folks. Um, um, But what I know happens time and time again, when I have clients do this is that something else comes up that they're like, oh, I thought it was going to be YouTube, but it was really, you know, my assistant is in here every five seconds asking me the same question. Like, really, it's the same question, you know, (laughs) and I didn't realize how much time I'm spending with other people. So then it points us in another direction. Okay. So let's train your your assistant to be a little bit more independent, or let's train your assistant to have specific blocks of time in which they um, can ask you a bunch of questions at once so that you can deep dive and get focused. And that means you're going to get more done so that you can use your time to go to the barn and play with your own horses. Yeah. 
or yeah, whatever with it is the, with the professionals that I mentor, I get that a lot of like how much time they're spending answering texts from their students mm -hmm. or from boarders. And when they really look, it's like, oh my gosh, this is like all the time, <laughs> you know? And so there's, there's, I think often places that we can find more efficiency, um, those, those minutes add up, they add up here and add up there. And then, and then you realize that was like two hours worth of stuff during the day <laughs> that could have been done better. So kind of yes, in that, absolutely. yeah, so kind of in that realm of if we can find out where we're like, our time is getting robbed and wasted, uh, then we have more time for other things. So I'm going to ask you um, a, a question to help students that I have a lot. So I have my online courses and I have my video classroom. And so the video classroom has hundreds of videos. And uh, I all, so often I have people go, well, I don't really have time to watch the videos. So I canceled or something and I'm like, you know, so, and it's not about getting subscribers, but like you're, if you're in there, how can we help people? So what I've seen is that sometimes people think, well, I don't have time to watch all the videos. And I'm thinking you don't have to watch all of them. You just have to watch one. <laughs> you just, you know, one video, if it's the right video will be enough. And then I realized that there's, there's this dynamic that sometimes happens where people often will feel that if they can't do it all the way, they don't want to do any piece of it. And so what I mm -hmm. teach, and this kind of generalizes too. So when I teach inside my courses, I teach people to really get good at being, doing the good enough version, right? So yes. what's the good enough? So I tell people, don't, you don't have to watch all 400 videos in there. Just pick the one you need, pick one. And it kind of relates to, you know, getting in the habit. This is something I had to learn of doing, doing small things, like pick this one small thing, find the 12 minutes required to do it, schedule it, do it, and you're done. And I think that's a habit that can obviously help people who are needing, wanting to watch the videos and think that, think that they don't have time, but it's going to help that helped me a lot because I used to sit down for blocks of time and I'd, I'd, I'd write, do stuff. And it just went on forever. And when I figured out how to bite down a smaller piece and just, yes. I just can do this one little piece and feel a feeling of completion. Like I did it. <laughs> so one of the tips that I give people is, you know, if you're sitting there eating a sandwich, like watch a video while you're eating the sandwich. That's what I do. I'm sitting down. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> My hands are occupied. Might as well watch a video. So I'm sure you have other tips that can help people, um, you know, get that good enough, get that piece that they need uh, without being overwhelmed by all the stuff that, that maybe they're not doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, hear this all the time. Um, you know, if I can't really get in there and do enough of it, I don't, it's, it doesn't feel like it's worth starting. And, you know, right. here's the thing when you're learning a skill, um, we know that practice over time, um, practice regularly is what helps you develop the skill. Um, and the, the one of the things I love about your video classroom is that you can go in there and watch all sorts of interactions with horses that you would never have the opportunity of watching, right? So um, I'm always thinking, because I happen to be part of the video classroom too, um, one of the things I've done is I've set aside like Saturday morning is watch a video morning, right? 
Um, and it, because I don't have a lot else going on, it's not a work day for me, it tends to be a relaxed time over coffee. So I've sort of, I've sort of picked that Saturday morning is time to do a little bit of something related to riding, related to my work with horses. And it might be a video, it might be a bit of a book or whatever, but I have that sort of like time in my week that I know I'm not going to be at the barn, honestly. Um, and I've made it a mental habit. Um, and for a while, I actually put in my calendar, like, you know, check, do, do some something related to horses. Um, so part of it is getting really clear that you want to get it in. The second thing is chunk it into a small chunk that's going to fit in because something that you've done is better than not doing anything at all. And it's going to add up over time. Um, and we know exposure. Um, I actually heard this great thing that uh, related to video games that is going to crack you up here, Karen. I don't think I've ever said this to you, but um, there's uh, um, with these sports games that have like professional football and baseball, and particularly for football, the kids have seen all of the plays because they play the the whatever video games with all the different football plays. So when these kids are now showing up to football practice, the, the coach has actually less work to do because the kids know a lot more about the plays and the dynamic about team playing because they've been doing it on their video game, right? So the thing that, that I love about your video classroom is that you can get that same experience and you don't have to leave your house. So that's super time effective, right? And the small bites, um, super helpful. Um, and picking the time that's going to work for you. So there might be a natural downtime for you in your day, and your go-to happens to be the TV or YouTube or Instagram, whatever you're scrolling. Just start to ask yourself, when would be a good time for me to put this in? And then you might actually need a reminder until you develop the habit. Because right now, the habit might be to scroll Facebook or I don't know, turn on the evening news and you realize I already heard the news, you know, driving back from the, the barn or work, whatever. Um, just start to say where where is a good place to insert it. And then maybe even put a reminder or an alarm that says, hey, watch a video. Um, or whatever that training is that you want to do um, related to your horses that can be done away from the horses, Right. Yeah, love that. And I, I use my reminders on my phone for so many more things. It used to be saved for like doctor appointment, you know, or something big, but maybe it's just an age thing. I need more reminders. But I'll, you know, throughout the day, I'll like, I'll put an alarm for an endpoint on something. Sometimes when I'm riding, if I have a shorter amount of time, I'll put like, I'll get on a horse and set a 24 minute, you know, alarm yeah. or a timer, you know, so I just start to keep track of the time and I'll schedule, like I said, I'll put in my planner, like sit still rest. And then here's when work goes. So, yeah. And you know, another piece that, that you really emphasize that you said just then was the finding the time where it naturally works best for you. That was huge because, um, for me, there's, I have so many different modes. So I have the horse mode, I have kind of nuts and bolts mode, you know, of the business. And then I have presentation mode. I have create creation mode. And I, I used to realize that I was doing things at the wrong time of day. And I'm like, why is this so hard? And I realized, well, after eight o'clock, the nuts and bolts part of my brain is gone. And I used to save the like yucky tech stuff 
for the end of the day because that wasn't any fun. But it was just miserable because that part of my brain was shutting down. So now I have a rule that I don't do any of that at night, which is hard because my husband helps me with that. And that's when his brain wakes up. So <laughs> we have to make like a six or seven o'clock compromise. Uh, but finding finding the times where it's naturally going to happen more easily instead of trying to force it. And sometimes there's this little shifts and this goes for the, you know, for anybody, but for the professional scheduling your lessons, like when is the best time for you to ride your horses and what would it take to put that on your schedule first and fit everybody else's lessons around that? I know that's a really hard thing for people to do. Uh, so that, that I wanted to highlight and also, you know, in that idea of small pieces, if you only have a small amount of time, just do the small thing. And you mentioned this earlier, like if you only have 15 minutes if to drive your horses and then it only have 15 minutes before you have to leave, still do it, you know, to still yes. do it and say 15 minutes is good enough because 15 minutes of giving your horse a massage or just going for a walk or, you know, to not, not do it because it doesn't seem enough. You know, to just collect yeah, yeah. those and, successes. Are, yes, collect those successes. Humans are so goal-oriented. And um, so sometimes it feels like if we can't be there for a big period of time, either that or you just like to go and float and, you know, hang out for a long time, right? I work with both sets of those people. Um, but there is something about remembering it's an animal and that repeated experience with you and that animal is building that relationship, even if it's two minutes even if it's yeah. two minutes. So, um, and, and yes, I love the radical idea of scheduling your own important riding time and horse time before you schedule your lessons, because what I know is going to happen in your day or, or, you know, maybe the best time for you to ride somebody else to ride is at four o'clock in the afternoon. So they want to work with other people first and then they want to ride at four. That's fine. Pick the time that works for you. But what I know is going to happen is you're going to start to feel much more congruent and you're going to feel. And what I mean by that is you're going to be walking your talk. And so that in itself is going to help you feel more confident and less stressed and, you know, really support your students in a whole different way and other people in your world, too, because you're filling yourself up. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of like honoring, you know, honoring yourself and confidence in who you are and what you do. And and I know with the with the professionals I work with, there's a a real shift because sometimes it's scary to to take that time slot because you know, oh, but Mary Beth, that's the only time she can have a lesson and and to say, No, I'm taking that for myself is scary because you feel like you're gonna lose clients if you're that rigid. Yes. But what happens is over time, the net result is the opposite of that because there's, because it's the fuel for yourself, because there's a confidence in oneself and one's boundaries. And we teach this with horses all the time, right? Con you know, healthy boundaries, <laughs> friendly boundaries, mm -hmm. like I love you and you can't step on my foot, right? So <laughs> to practice that with our own lives too, and to really... I think when, when we have that confidence in ourselves to be so bold as to schedule the things that are important to us first, it's not just a matter of scheduling, that there's something that shifts on the inside just from the act of doing that. 
And I think that's, that's what other people pick up on. That's what your horses pick up on that schedule. So the same way, if you, if your horse keeps creeping towards you and you keep having to back out of its way and the horse is like, I'm taking the space. And you're like, okay, I'm going to be backing away. Like, that's not going to be good for your horsemanship. But if you go, I'm here right now. Like, that's the same thing with the schedule. Like, I'm having that cup of coffee right here, right now. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) You know, there's another piece. It's an act of personal leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And when you start to own your own leadership in your own life and for your own goals, magical things happen. And, yeah, I just want to, you know, come back to the point you made about people saying, well, but if I have to move my clients to do that, they're going to leave. So many fears come up around that, whether you're in an equine profession or not. You know, I used to, I used to um, do a lot of one-on-one coaching and I moved a lot of that to group programs. Um, So I understand what it's like to have a lot of hourly appointments and then be shifting to a different model or, to, to decide, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym first thing in the morning. And even though my executive clients prefer a 7 a.m. meeting, I'm going to I'm going to say they can meet with me from nine o'clock on. Um, and, you know, I think it's really, really helpful um, to make sure that you're setting things up in a way that works for you, allows you to take that leadership moment and also, um, you know, lets everything else work. So sometimes when we um, shift things, we feel like everything else is going to fall apart. So this is where you want to use your smart brain. And you probably need to talk to somebody else to help you take a look at how you take all of the puzzle pieces and construct the puzzle in a way that's going to work better for you. Because I can tell you, You've been on the treadmill of your life long enough that somebody else is going to take a look and go, oh, you know what? Why don't you do these things in this sequence? That's going to buy you some time here. And then you've got your horse time in or whatever other time in you're trying to work in. So um, this, this is what I call the click of the kaleidoscope. And it's that, you know. Sometimes we're looking through the kaleidoscope and, one, and we see one picture and there's a whole nother picture just to the right. If you click it, the kaleidoscope to the right, um, but we don't know until we do that. And sometimes we can't do that without having somebody else take a look at it all. Um, so that's when it's helpful to take a look at somebody who's actually outside of your industry and have them, uh, you know, just help, help you think through your week. You'll be amazed at the shifts that you can make. And you'll get a lot more done in less time. Yeah. And I've, I've really, I've experienced that and I've seen that in action. And the, you know, when, when somebody else takes a look and goes, well, why don't you just put that there and to feel where the resistance points are. And, you know, I've seen, and I know you've seen, you know, some big emotional reactions. Like I can't do that. Like you can see it causing so much stress and just because we're so, far in it, we can't see our own solutions. And to look at all the places where you go, I can't do that and go, mm-hmm. let's look like, really is that, and, and take some time to like go in and look, but you're right. You do need another perspective because sometimes, you know, the things that we, our own brain says, well, I can't do that. We do that so fast. <laughs> we don't even realize we did it. Exactly. Like, well, I, I can't, I can't, I can never do that. So, you know, we need to stop and have somebody look and go, 
could this be a possibility? Why don't you try that and get creative? I love that click of the kaleidoscope analogy because, yeah, one little click and boo, magic. Yeah, it's a totally different picture. And you can get, you know, so much done. Um, and it's, it's actually one of the things that I love that you do in your mastermind, Karen, with your professionals, because there's other people in the industry that can take a look that you trust and help you figure out where you want to go and where you're stuck. Um, and it, it makes such a difference to have that conversation with a colleague who's not living your particular day um, and can help help you address those but, but there's no way I can do that. You know, I, I can't tell you how many things people told me there's no way they could do that. And, and <laughs> the reality is they can do it. They're just choosing not to choose that. And that's okay if you don't want to choose that, but let's just make sure that you're giving yourself the choice and evaluating the option. Cause lots of times we just kick it out out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to pick up on that word choice. Cause this is, this is where, you know, you got to get real and to realize that it is a choice. How we spend our time is our choice. And I, I personally try to catch myself when I say I don't have time. Mm -hmm. I don't always catch myself, but, but <laughs> when I do, I go, no, it's not, I don't have time. I'm choosing not to take the time to do that. And right. when not you available for that activity, Right, right. So to just realize it's a choice and to if just to hear yourself say it differently, like, oh, I don't have time to do my horses. I don't have time to watch a video. If you take that sentence and change it to I'm choosing not to take the time to watch that video or ride my horse, it, it, it can be jarring a little bit like, wait, and then just to sit there for a minute and look at it. Because if you entertain the idea that there's a choice, then you can look and say, well, maybe it is true. And then I'm really choosing. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. But maybe you go, mm, maybe there are some more choices. And something you teach there is there's always more choices around time than we initially think. And I think that's what's so cool about what you do is you really shift the way people think about time and think about what are the sorts of things you can schedule and put on your schedule. And I love that you connect it back to the meaningful goals because I think so many of us horse people are truly heart-centered. I think, actually, I think everybody's heart-centered if we allow ourselves to remember that. <laughs> we all want to yeah. feel good. We all yeah. want to feel our best and do what we love. So, well, well um, and, and the, meaningful, the meaningful goal concept is about the whole life, right? And, and um, again, sometimes we forget to think about the whole life and to make choices around the whole life. Like, I, you know, I stopped riding when my son was, you know, before my son was born because I knew I couldn't ride at the level I wanted to. Get, I was a, you know, I was a professional psychologist and researcher, you know, working in an academic situation, you know, with, the, with like a million things going on. And I made that purposeful choice and I was okay with it. Had I not made it purposefully, I, I, it would have been very, very hard. And then I purposely made the choice to go back in and go back in at the level that I know is going to teach, is going to fuel me and allow me to be the horsewoman that I want to be. So make those clear choices. That's awesome. All right. So everybody listening, I hope you're connecting with what fuels you and when would be the best time for you to put it on your schedule 
And if you don't feel like there's room, where are you, where are the time, what do you call them? Time wasters and ta- time robbers. Time robbers. And I think just, to, I think just with that, you know, can you shift and, and eliminate some of those time wasters and time robbers and shift that time daring to put it on the calendar and schedule it, put an alarm to do something that feels more meaningful to you. That's so awesome, Sarah. And um, where else can people uh, learn more about you and what you do? And I know you have um, some cool things on your website, the resource that people can opt in to, to have you send to them. So maybe just tell people where they can find you and how else you can help. Absolutely. So my company is True Focus Coaching. You can find me on the web at truefocuscoaching.com. That's I'll add a link to that in the notes. Yeah. yeah. F-O-C-U-S coaching. Um, and on there, you'll see I have an ebook that um, is about five steps to bust through procrastination and overwhelm. So if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, there's so much to do and I'm not sure when I can do it. Um, it's a great place to start. Um, and that's free, uh, right on my website. Um, there's also places to connect with me. Um, there's, you know, courses that I run all of those kinds of things. So feel free to reach out and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you find is helpful from this conversation today. Um, and just, you know, make sure you take that one little thing that you want to just start to create a wedge. I don't care if it's five minutes on a Sunday morning or 11 o'clock on a Thursday night for 10 minutes. Just start that, practice doing that, and let it create a wedge that you can open up and do more so that you can really take care of what you want and be the horse person you want to be. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful knowledge on this pod. You are welcome. You're welcome. I love supporting you in your community anytime. Awesome. Thank you. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.